This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The president of the association said, okay, Rodrigo, enough. You come with this idea. We understood that we would do this similar projects for peacock bass, for Dorado, fine. You show that there are some other species that similar than, than the Arapaima that grows and jumps, but that's not possible here. It's impossible to, to do this kind of fishing with this gear. And I say, no, it is possible. And they just meet for five minutes and said, okay, so as you're here with your gear, with your flies, with your all of this stuff, this crap, this, what this crap do you drop? <laughs> Let's go tomorrow. Show me that's possible. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. 
The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com. And the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Rodrigo Salles. This is Tom Rowland Podcast. Uh, I'm uh, the Brazil CEO of Containment Angling. We are pioneering jungle fly fish in South America. Rodrigo, how are you? Good, good. Thank you very much for the opportunity and be here. Absolutely. You, Tom, on this podcast. Yeah, man. I'm glad to have you. I've heard a lot of things about you from a lot of different people, but uh, most recently it was from Yako Lucas. And, uh, and we were talking about um, his recent Arapaima trip and, and just the Arapaima as a, as a jungle species and where they live and all these different things. And he started to tell us the story about how you have pioneered these destinations uh, many destinations, but but the one in particular is the Arapaima. Uh, it sounded it sounded pretty interesting and it sounded pretty challenging and difficult. But I wonder if we could uh, if we could go into that and see how that went. How did you well, do that? <laughs> well, uh, first the Arapaima it is it is the largest freshwater scale fish in the planet. Probably it is the largest freshwater fish we can catch in a fly rod. Um, I grew up fishing in the jungle with my grandfather. Uh, I'm a civil engineer and uh, fished my whole life uh, in the jungles of Brazil and then Argentina. And then we went to Bolivia. Well, things we, we, we are passionate about fly fishing in the jungle and Marcelo Perez uh, founded Entertainment Angling, and then we joined it with him in 2004. And that was a dream because we'll be doing exactly what I love, that is fly fishing in the jungle and then running a business involved with the tourism of fly fishing in the Amazon. But to make things short and how we are reaching Arapaima and catching Arapaima in the jungle, uh, we we started uh, our outfitter service, our lodges in Bolivia and then in Brazil uh, with the concept to be partners with the natives. Uh, the, the, the concept and idea of our company on Tame Angling, it is to find the best places in the jungle where we can catch this amazing species on the fly. Uh, and in the Amazon jungle, the last truly uh, protected areas are either the national parks or indigenous lands. 
people think that they can go anywhere in the Amazon because it's huge and it will catch lots of fish. Well, probably that could be a reality 30, 40 years ago. Mm. But uh, from 20 years to now, until now, things changes a lot. So it's not like 30 years ago that you can just grab a boat, went to any river and catch lots of fish. Mm. Now we have intense commercial fishing, mining, logging, all these kind of breeds. And really the best places uh, and untouched places are the indigenous lands and national farms. So with that concept, we start this, this kind of partnership with the natives where we are really partners in what we do. It's like a joint venture. You know, they, they do their best part that is uh, taking care of their land, helping us in a lot of stuff, sharing all the, all the, all the process of having the, the lodges and the operations running, and we operate together. And this concept opened us in a angling for uh, Brazil, several gates. Because until 2014, it was completely forbidden to, to fish in, in any protected area in the Brazilian Amazon, either national parks or indigenous lands. Really? It was totally forbidden? Totally forbidden. So who totally forbidden. Is, is that by the government or by, by who, who's making that forbidden? The, the government. It's, it's, it's a regulation to protect the national parks and indigenous lands. Okay, were they, le- were, they letting, into, uh, were they letting the natives fish there or just, yes, okay, so yes, they could fish yes. there, but nobody else. Yeah. Okay, yes, gotcha. Yes. For sustainable, sustainable fishing, obviously no problem, but uh, that, that regulation was created to protect these areas to the intense commercial fishing that was increasing in the determinate moment in the Amazon. So from 2014 on, uh, a gate opened that it was uh, a possibility to establish uh, partnerships with the natives uh, in the indigenous lands of Brazilian Amazon. So in 2006, we started our project in Bolivia with, with the natives in Simani. That was a huge success in terms of sharing uh, common benefits and running the operation together with them. And that model was, uh, was, uh, was visioned by the, the Brazilian officials that invited us to reply that model uh, for an area in Brazil. So with that concept, we, we went together with the Indigenous Institute of the Government and also the Environmental Agency with some studies and uh, allowed us to create this, this partnership model with the natives, where they are the main actors with us on the operation. They are not only receiving a fee or something to that let any outfitter enter. That model, it is a, it is a model where they can really uh, and actively participate on the running of this 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 business that is the, the fly fishing catch and release tour. So we started in 2014 with a Kenjan and Rio Moria operations in Brazil. And that immediately was was uh, well visioned also by the by the authorities that uh, that opened us some other possibilities, and we were invited to scout new places uh, where many other communities were asking for this kind of partnership. Uh, one very important thing 
it is in my opinion there's no uh there's no way to protect nowadays the amazon if we cannot give a sustainable activity right. to this area right the protection by the protection just sustained by the government with millions and millions of dollars do not work because if you close a place like a national park and everything is forbidden there we don't have the the, the necessary enforcement to to protect these huge lands so they eventually they will be uh, open to illegal threats like illegal mining and logging so if you if we really want to protect a, a, a portion of uh, of land in the Amazon or a river in the Amazon, we should give uh, a sustainable alternative for the natives to survive because obviously they 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 need better quality of life there. They need to to survive not only hunting and fishing in the jungle. That's not uh, anymore the reality, and and people forget that. The Amazon forest is not about trees, water, fish, and animals. It's about lots of people that live from from this jungle. Mm -hmm. So uh, our idea was to start this process to create a new sustainable activity based in catch and release fishing, where we can, with few anglers per week, we can really uh, help them to protect their land. So, and that was the main model of entertainment angle. Yeah, that's awesome. So that concept of providing, you know, creating and providing a sustainable business that the that the native people are going to be a, a part of, was that a concept that was easy to get across to the government? Or were they already looking for that? Or did you have to kind of propose this and explain it uh, as you as you were getting going along? Well, at the beginnings, uh, obviously, we we found some resistance by some some parts of the government, but that was just because they didn't knew uh, well how this activity can run inside a protected area and help to protect. Because the vision of many people when they talk about sport fishing or catching release, uh, they here, especially here in South America, they directly relate with people that goes there, kill all the fish, brings all the fish. So they, they still do not see this sport fishing as a sustainable activity, mm -hmm. you know? And now that's changing. How, uh, how, in the last 15 years, that this is changing. Yeah, you know? so and so it's, those it's changes, the changes are occurring and, and they're understanding the impacts because of other successful operations like Samani and, and other things that you can bring to, you know, like a case study, you bring it to them and you're saying, look, exactly. this is what's going on here. And so how patient do you have to be uh, to, to continue to, I mean, I'm sure that once you get someone to listen to you, then he's going to take it somewhere else and they're going to say, no, no, I don't like that. And then you're going to have to further explain it over and over and over again for 15 years. Right. And, 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 has that been has that been a trying um, kind of situation with your patients of of yes. continuing to explain this? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that it is because you're 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 proposing a concept that is that's I mean, why would you want to catch a fish if you're just going to let it go, right? If for somebody that that has been a, a someone who fishes for to eat only to eat 
that's a concept that's difficult to understand. So how have you gotten that across to people? Like how important that is and what kind of, uh, of a financial impact it can have and how it can help the, the native people. Yeah. The, the, I think for us, the very first, uh, uh, challenge, it was to show to the natives that first it's possible to do catch and release because most of them for all day of their generations, they, go to the river, catch a fish to eat. Mm -hmm. So we came into Simone in 2006, 2007 with the idea of bringing people to catch a fish by sport, take a photo and release it. They didn't understood that as an activity. Mm -hmm. So it was a process of three years to show them that, well, first, what is tourism? Second, what is a what is a sport fishing tourism or fly fishing tourism, and then catch and release. So imagine that for for the natives that lives in the jungle, that lives in in, in somehow in another era, different than us. Um, it was it was challenging. I, I, bottom line, it was really challenging, but also it was really rewarding because at the moment that they accepted the activity, they 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 saw us catching a dorado on a fly. And playing with the Dorado, releasing the Dorado safely back to the water, you know, and seeing that that that's real and that's possible, they say, well, it's possible to do catch and release and the fish goes back to the water and safe. Then second, uh, create a structure or a lodge uh, with all the logistics involved and bring people from other parts of the planet to visit their land. They were not sure that that was going to happen. Sometimes neither us, right? <laughs> because it's so so difficult in the middle of the nowhere in the jungle, and that uh, was so challenging in all aspects of lodge building, uh, establishing the logistics of food and resources, pool, everything to run uh, a, a world class operation in the middle of 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 a remote Amazon jungle. It was really challenging, but. Once they saw that it was possible and that it was real, obviously uh, they become our really our best partner because mm-hmm. they truly understood that was a sustainable activity that will help to protect their rivers, their land, and through the example of all clients, all anglers that are start to come and visit the place. And just to spend a week catching fish, having fun, release them. They saw, wow, that's real. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a sustainable activity that brings us some revenue, and we can live with that without taking out our wood or our gold or our fish to sell it. Mm-hmm. So that model that we created in Simani that was based in in real, uh, uh, truly. Uh, Immense efforts, uh, even with the officials, because in Bolivia at that moment, also uh, that area, it's a national park, and at the same time, it's indigenous land. So it, it was completely forbidden. We need to propose that to the government to create a new regulation inside a national park where catch and release become uh, an activity that was uh, approved by, by the officials. And then we started to bring the the, the clients on that 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 took time and when we started Simani back in 2009 
and which was a tremendous success from the very first week of the season, of the inaugural season, we saw that 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 will become some kind of real possibility to, to work together with the natives in partnership with the natives, with collaboration with the officials uh, that help us also in the, in the studies and, and biological research and so on. And basically, we, we grew up really fast in that model. And that model that we brought from Bolivia, we presented exactly the same model to Brazilian officials. And we had uh, a current running successful model to show them. So they said, well, if, if Bolivia is doing that and it's running well, we here in Brazilian Amazon, which is huge, 60% of the Amazon is in Brazilian territory, we can try that. And it could be a real possibility to the natives in the Brazilian Amazon to succeed and have a sustainable activity that not only brings them possibility to have better quality of life, that for them it's basically the same as us, but they need good education, health, transportation, uh, clean sources of energy. And then finally help them to protect their land. Right. Because it's not only about the money, it's, it's, it's also to have an activity that make them happy and do not let them susceptible to their illegal tricks, like illegal mining uh, people that goes there and say, hey, I pay you some, some thousands of dollars if you let me enter. They can say, no, we have our, our sustainable activity here. We have our revenue and we don't want any, any kind of other money. So with that, we came to Brazil and we started Rio Maria in 2014 and came in the same time that it's a, that it's a place uh, with a crystal clear waters where you can catch side fishing, 10 different species, wet wading. It's unbelievable. It is one of the most pristine rivers in the in the Amazon. And then where the Arapaima comes, yeah. that's 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 an interesting story. Uh, well, at that moment, 2015, we already had Bolivia, so we have an amazing place, probably the the the, the best place in the planet to fly fish for Dorado because we we're fishing for Dorado, side casting, wet wading in, in the jungle in Emerald Pier rivers, and there's no other place in South America that we can fish in that way for Dorado. We had established the partnership with the Rio Maria natives that holds 600 miles of the very fast Peacock Bass River in the Amazon, which was huge for us, you know, and allow us to build a, a really, a really nice mothership, the very first green ship in the Amazon, and that's another story. And then we said, what else? So we have Dorado, we have Peacock Bass, we have the multi-variety species in Kenjan. We said with Marcelo, it's the Arapaima. The Arapaima it is the, probably the, the, the biggest challenge for any angler in, in, in the jungle rivers because it is a monster of more than 400 pounds, over two meters. And we started to scout to places where we can find that. Obviously, we were invited to visit some, some protected areas in the Amazon. Some of them were good, some not. And, and then we, we understood that it was a very special area 
where the Amazon River meets the Chapura River. Uh, it is one of the most protected uh, areas uh, in the central Brazilian Amazon. And we heard that it was the nirvana for, for the Arapaima. The concentration of Arapaima there was amazing, but it was completely forbidden because it was the core of a reserve where all the Arapaima enters to feed and then spawn. And at that moment, uh, most of the, of the sustainable activity areas in the Amazon were related with some kind of a uh, small percentage of commercial fishing for Arapaima. Arapaima is the number one fish for source of protein in the Amazon. Right. So if you go to the Manaus Central Market, lots of Arapaima there. If you go to any other markets in, in, in the Amazon, you see all this fish there. The Arapaima back in the 80s, it was an endangered species. Uh, it was heavily, heavily fished, overfished everywhere in the Amazon. It was really endangered. And then the Brazilian government starts to create some special reserves to protect the Arapaima. <laughs> they, they say that they say the sustainable development reserves for Arapaima in the central Amazon. And uh, and we visit some of them, but most of them already have some kind of sustainable commercial fishing. What they do it is. The arapaima is a, is a fish that comes to the surface every 20 minutes, like the tarpon, yeah. is their breeder. So it comes to the surface. Uh, the locals with, with the environmental agency established uh, uh, an empiric method to count or estimate the population of a fish in a certain uh, amount of water or a lake. So based in, in these in this estimative accounts of the number of the fish in a specific area, the environmental agency gives a quote of one or two percent per year that the natives can kill for their local consumption and also to make their own business with the fish. Um, the Arapaima grows uh, really fast. They can grow in the very first year, 20 pounds. Wow. A fish of one year have 20 pounds. In two years, they have 40 pounds. In three years, they can reach 50 pounds. So it's a fish that eats a lot, grows super fast. So taking one or two percent of the fish every year in a in a protected area is not a, is not a big deal. But we when we went in those areas to visit and experience the possibility of doing this kind of model of catch and release uh, fly fishing tourism, it was difficult because they were already having this activity and and killing uh, some part of the fish, and we said. That that's not going to work because they're they're killing some fish and we are coming to catch and release that do not work together. But then we realized that it was in specific area, the Mamirawa Development Reserve, that the core of this area that it's a complex of lakes, lagoons, channels, and rivers. It was completely forbidden to do any kind of fishing, even the commercial fishing, this sustainable commercial fishing that they do. The natives there were, were, were trying to get their license to do this commercial fishing activity. There was uh, a small lodge there built by the locals with the help of an NGO that helped them to establish this lodge. That's the Wakari Lodge. It's, it's a very beautiful area, one of the top five 
wildlife and bird watching places in the Amazon. So they already were used to have some ecotourists there from 20 years. But they were claiming the possibility to also have their activity to kill uh, part of the fish every year in this one or two percent cold with environmental agency. And we heard that they got the license hmm. back in the end of 2015. And Im immediately I, I, I saw a possibility because I think at that moment, if, uh, if I can talk with these people and present the possibility to change the commercial fishing license to a catch and release sustainable activity license before they start the commercial fishing, uh, that could work. And I have, a, I thought I have a window to do that. So I run to the, to the villages. Uh, I ask it for a meeting with the locals. Uh, the association there is 15 uh, communities uh, that lives uh, inside the reserve. And I ask for a meeting and by, 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 by my surprise at that moment, I arrived there and it was about 150, 180 natives in a big room. Wow. Uh, waiting for me because the, the environmental agency organized the meeting and say, hey, there's a model that is interesting that you can hear. Uh, and these guys are doing that's the catch and release uh, fishing. So they were there to, to listen, but they were thinking that I was there to show our models in other areas and maybe propose something with peacock bass there that's not the main species. There's a small peacock bass there that in fact they are the prey of the Arapaima. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I arrived with my, my computer projector and obviously my fly rod reels and some flies. And then when, when I, I, I came and started to talk about um, the possibility to catch an Arapaima on the fly, and I showed the gear that I had, they immediately start laughing. <laughs> well, what was the, what, how would they catch them? Like if they were going to commercial fish them there, how, how would the natives, you know, what was the traditional method ways. to catch them? There are two ways with, with big nets, which is, not really sustainable because they, they kill other species and cannot control mm -hmm. that. And the, the most interesting and ancient way that is uh, with, uh, with a spear. Okay. They go with the dugout canoe alone, paddling. They stop in a spot where they can see several fish rolling on the surface. And it's amazing to experience that. They stand up on this small dugout canoe with a spear and a whole rope in the other side of the, of the spear. And then, and they throw that at the moment that the fish, fish rolls and they got this fish on the spear and they fight the fish with the rope and they put an enormous arapaima in a small dugout canoe that only have maybe less than an inch out of the water right. and it battle back home. Huh. So it's an amazing way. So, so that is probably the, the toughest, meanest dudes in the, in the village do that. It, it would probably almost be like a rite of, of passage or rite of manhood to, to be able to yeah. be the one that catches the air And so all of a sudden you show them 
uh, an 11 weight or a 12 weight fly rod, they, they look at it and they're like, there's no possible way that you're going to catch this. No, they just start laughing on me and say, we kill this fish with a spear and a rope. And you're coming here with this, with this thing rod, with this thing line and all this feathers and, and materials that you dress it over a, a small hook <laughs> because a hook for them for our apartments like yeah, that, right. you know? Uh, and I was with a four, five old hook with this small hook when, and, and this feathers and you think you can catch one of these monsters. No, there's no way. And and at that same moment, the president of the association just said, "What we are doing here? Let's go. This is this is the dumbest is idea I've ever this heard. Is, <laughs> this is ridiculous. We are losing our time. We we also just got our license to do the commercial fishing that starts next year. We need to prepare ourselves, and we are losing our time. And I said, no, 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 wait, please, just I want to have you." Five more minutes here. And I remember that I had uh, a tarpon film, a tarpon short film in my computer and say, I want to show you something, how it's possible to land a monster fish in this kind of fly rods, exactly the same ones. And I, I just asked, give me five minutes, watch this film, and you will understand a little bit better. And then they were they were laughing, arguing, and some were leaving. And the president of the association said, "Okay, okay, okay, put this film and let's watch it," because they love to watch films. <laughs> so I put this 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 the Starpon movie that is the the seventy the seventies Starpon film that was a really nice. Film Guy, Guy De La Valdin, the one in the in the Florida Keys. Um, yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I'm very familiar yeah. with that film. That's awesome. That's that's filmed where yeah. where I fish. Exactly. So I, I I put that film and then start to see, well, people with fly rods and and, and jumping big fish, fighting big fish. At least they stop laughing on me. <laughs> they, they start to pay attention and stop laughing on me. And by the end of the the, the film that I just put a part of the film. Uh, the president of association said, okay, Rodrigo, enough. You come with this idea. We understood that we would do this similar projects for peacock bass, for Dorado, fine. You show that there are some other species that similar than, than the Arapaima that grows and jumps, but that's not possible here. It's impossible to, to do this kind of fishing with this gear. And I say, no, it is possible. There's other places that do that, like Guyana. Mm -hmm. And the Guyana project uh, started some few years back. And they just meet for five minutes and said, okay. So as you hear, with your gear, with your flies, with all of this stuff, this crap, they said, what this crap do you brought? <laughs> Let's go tomorrow. Show me that's possible. The pressure's on now. <laughs> <laughs> right? The pressure is on. I don't need even need to mention that I didn't slap at night at all. <laughs> <laughs> no sleep. Because I have all my pressure, all the pressure in my back. I have I have to prove them on the next day that I that it's possible to catch another Pima. 
And I said, wow, now I have a really big task to do. And I never fished with such piano on my back yeah. before. Right. But the most interesting thing was that I, I, I barely could sleep in a hammock in the front of the, of the meeting room on that night. And it was a beautiful night full of stars and was thinking, well, what would I do tomorrow? Which, which kind of fly we use or whatever, but I need to catch a fish. I need to show that it's possible to land that I'm on a fly rod. And then next day or the morning, they, they, they serve the, just some coffee and 6 a.m. in the morning, there's a long aluminum boat, I think 10 meters, with some plastic shares on it. <laughs> and all of and all of the board members of the native association that it was six or seven people were there sitting on the boat waiting for me to jump in on the ball and go to the lake. And I said, <laughs> wow. Now I have a lot of pressure. <laughs> and I, as soon as I, I, I enter in the boat, uh, the president of association, Antonio, said to me, okay, let's go. Let's see if it's possible to, to land this fish. And the boat driver uh, that I met the, the, the night before, Poliano, uh, I, I talked with him barely, and he, he is and he was one of the best Arapaima fishermen in the area and he was the boat driver and he told me how he can spear the Arapaima and fight with with the fish and then we we went fishing and uh, by the first cast I made with my fly I all have all these plastic shares with six seven people <laughs> of the native association sitting there doing nothing just looking to me you know just looking and say, wow, nah, that's not gonna work. Yeah. You see that line, you see those casts they do it with this with this flying, and it's, he's stripping that with the hand, it, not even with the reel, he's stripping with the hand. Right. And he thinks he can hook another pima with his hand and in this thin rod and land the fish. No, that's not gonna work. Let's go back, let's go back. And I say, guys, just wait. We are here and I want to show that's possible. And I spent several hours trying to, to hook a fish. The water was high. It was the end of the season, late November. And uh, it was tough. It was not the best conditions at all. So that, that made it really, really complicated. But uh, we went to a small lagoon down deep in the, in the area. And Poliano, the boat driver, said, uh, here we can we can see many fish rolling at that time of the season. They are preparing for spawning, so they they come together in shallow water and feed in this kind of, of small uh, backwater lagoon. Mm -hmm. And we start to see fish rolling everywhere. So is, is the water well, clear or muddy or what was the water? What did the water look like? It was, it was, it was black water, okay. you know. It's clear, but kind of kind of tea color, yeah. black water, acid water, but really possible to see the fish rolling everywhere. And I was aiming the cast where the fish were rolling. And uh, finally, I, I hooked one fish that got off when the jump and they, whoa, they stopped. 
They stopped talking at the same moment that I that I hooked the fish <laughs> and the fish jumped. They stopped talking, and then so now I'm in the game. <laughs> now I'm back in the game, and by the end of the day, like 4:30 p.m., I hooked a a nice fish, a pretty decent fish over over a meter and sixty. And I played with the fish and I brought the fish to the side of the boat, touched the leader, took out the fly and say, guys, it is possible. Wow. And they, and they were amazed about how it was possible to, to, to play with that gigantic fish, jumping, running with, with that fly rod in hand and hooking the fish with a, with a, with a hand and the rod. And we came back at the same moment that I released the fish. Poliano turned on the engine when we came back to the village in the mouth of the reserve. And all the way back, not a single word really? was, no. They just were in complete silence. And I respect that because I was the, the, the gringo, the foreigner there. Right. You know, and I, I, I was, I was in silence at the bow of the of the canoe but i was confident and saying well at least i made my part i landed the fish yeah i mean there's about a million (laughs) things that could have gone wrong there you you yeah you could have not landed a fish you could have not landed a fish the hot water was high whatever but i landed and i came back to the village and they say rodrigo stay here and wait for a couple of minutes we will meet at the at the main room and we will call you in a while. And then in, after 30 minutes, they call me back, say, hey, come on, enter here. And the president of association said that, Rodrigo, that was, that was really interesting to see. We saw that it is possible. We live here and we know that with this high water, it's really difficult to, to have a fish even with a spear and land the fish with a spear because they are they're they are spread all over the jungle because the water is high, they are not concentrated. You made it. So congratulations. And I say, okay, thank you very much. But what else? <laughs> <laughs> and and they said, well, we were ready to buy all of our materials, gear, some boats to start our commercial fishing in the next season because the commercial fishing starts at the beginning of the dry season. So it's every July, August. So they will just have the possibility to start their their activity in the next year. So they said, we need to buy a lot of stuff. And uh, we we talked and we decided to give you a chance. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And we decided to give you a chance so if next year, by the beginning of the season, you can bring people, as you, as you mentioned, that you bring people from all the parts of the world with a fly rod in hand to catch Dorado, Peacock Bass, if you can bring these people here to catch Arapaima, we, we will do this project with you. And I said, wow, I made it. <laughs> I made it. So I'm just... I studied. Yeah, All I the mean, chain of that's 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 an amazing story. There's so many questions. Um, so they weren't curious 
about how many people you could bring and how much they would pay and all that stuff. Did you have to talk about that? Because it yeah. seems like they made oh. a very quick decision here. Like yes, in, during all the meeting, the, the, the previous meeting in the, in the in the in the other day before we went fishing, I was showing how this tourism of catch and release works and how many people we we are bringing to Bolivia into Rio Morier and how are the numbers of that how we will share the benefits in in a 50-50 way because all of our projects we do this uh this uh this equitative uh division of 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 the profits of the benefits and I showed them some examples of what, what was happening in Bolivia and in Rio Maria in Brazil. So they had the numbers. Obviously, they, they previously had all of my numbers of what could be a successful season there. And I, I studied all the, all the possibility of fishing for Arapaima there, that it's basically during the low water season, that it's September, October, November, three months, 12 weeks, 13 weeks, no more than this. And obviously we studied the size of the place, how many anglers we could bring. And I made a proposal to start with six anglers only per week. And then as the project come up, comes, we, we can make uh, an extension in, in the number of anglers per week and also the size of the season. And I proposed then for a experiment, experimental season or exploratory season, four weeks of six anglers. So you have the chance to uh, prove the 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 real the real thing about the fishery and, and and also the whole project and to show them that's 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 possible to do so they had all this this information uh and it also i studied the whole commercial fishing out of Pima chain from the moment that they kill the fish until they sell the fish in manaus how much they get yeah. So, so what about that? Like, how much is an arapaima worth to a native if they kill it? It is. It is. It is roughly one dollar per kilo. Okay. No, but that's the price that they sell in the nearest town. Uh, obviously, this fish is sold in Manaus by five dollars a kilo. Mm-hmm. But I have one dollar per kilo. Uh, and I estimate the population uh, of this area with the license that they would have of one or two percent of the fish every year. I made all these studies there, the, the 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 economical studies of what that commercial fishing activity would bring that versus the the catch and release. And it was the catch and release uh, profits were at least five or six times higher than the commercial fishing obviously with the advantage of just having all the fish there for the first season with just four weeks of six angles and then i call it all my friends some agents in us uh and i gave the news we have the very best sort of primal place in the amazon nice because mamirawa reserve it is with no doubt, the highest population, the highest concentration of wild arapaima in the Amazon. All these fish come to this two million hectares area that it's a complex of lakes, lagoons, channels, and rivers. 
when the water gets lower to feed and spawn. So massive schools of bait fish starts to enter by July. And then after that, the Arapaima starts to enter to chase and feed on these bait fish. So the concentration of the Arapaima in the in the Mamirua Reserve, it is it is unbelievable. So we knew that <laughs> it was the best place we could get the catch and release license, which with this crazy story, and I think that thanks one fish that I land, make that project become reality. That's fantastic. That, that's what happened. That's fantastic. Now, um, yeah. and then you know that what year was that? The first the first season. That 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 year of the meeting and and, and this and this and this situation with the natives was November 2015. Okay, so 2015. And then it um this this program progresses and proves itself over and over again. And yes, in the next year we made the exploratory season. We brought four weeks of six anglers, fully booked, everybody caught so many fish, so many big fish, and that become really, really famous quickly because people were interested to understand more about that Apama and catching these huge monsters on the fly. We we made a partnership with the with their local lodge there that the natives built. We established a very good program of fishing. We bought some 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 really nice uh, fly fishing skips. Uh, we trained professional fly fishing guides, paired with the natives. And Poliano, that man that drove me that, that day, become our very first native guide. <laughs> and we made the partnership with the natives to train them to be also guides with us. So every skip, we have a professional English-speaking English fly fishing guide that were trained there together in the same skip with the native guide. So we have two guides in each skip. The professional guide with all the technical knowledge about the fly fishing and the native guide with all the dance and knowledge about the place. Where, they where, know everything about the place. Yeah, where are the technical people coming from? The technical guides? Brazil. Okay. Most most of them Brazil. Like uh, from we, Samani and, and that, that kind of area? We have some guides that already guide in for us, specifically in the Maria River. Okay. I have two uh, really talented guides in the Maria River. It was Rafael and Guilherme. Uh, they were just starting uh, guiding professionally there. And I saw their potential and I brought them to, to Momirawa, to, to Pirarucu place. And when I say Pirarucu because Pirarucu is the, is the Arapaima name in, in Portuguese and in native language. Pirarucu means in the, in the native language, the redfish. Pira, it's fish in the native language, language, yuku, it is radish. So it's the red fish. That, that's why they name it because they have those scales with the red part. You see yeah. some, some part of that. So that's, that's, that's the reason of the name. And we name it the, the Piraruku project or, or the Piraruku lodge. And, uh, and I brought those guides, uh, trained them and then trained the native guides to do that. The, catch and release, explain to them uh, the fly fishing techniques and everything, and, and then start to become a success. And then the next season, 2017, we made, uh, I think, eight weeks. And then 
2018, we already made it 12 weeks and it was a success. And, and by the end of our first exploratory season in the board meeting with the natives, they just said, we are happy with wow. this project. That's we nice. don't want to do the commercial fishing in this area because here we are protecting the place. At the same time, we are receiving revenues that are 10 times almost higher than commercial fishing revenues. And we want to do that. So then we sign in a contract of partnership and exclusivity with them. And then we establish the, the project for, for the following years. So it was, it was probably one of the most uh, amazing uh, things we had in our, in our career in entertainment angling and it's, it's to get, to get a new place because one day of fishing or right. one fish. <laughs> now um, that's, that's an amazing story. And, and it's, and I'm just kind of wondering like, as it, as it uh, grows and you have all these successful seasons and then COVID hits and you don't have what happened during COVID when you don't have people traveling or, or what did happen? I don't know. I mean, that would seem like the worst thing possible would be there's no income coming in. So they go back to the commercial fishing and. Yeah, and that was, that was exactly Tom. That was a, that was a, a problem, a real problem for us, not only there in the Arapaima, but also in Bolivia, in the Rio Morier, in Cajun. Because the natives uh, at that moment, they are already depending on these projects and just saying to them, here go the pandemics. We are not be able to operate these places because there's, there's a major force issue. Government are, are, are closing all the, the indigenous and national parks to any kind of, of tourism and vegetation that was official, uh, official, amended then by the Brazilian government and also the Bolivian government. So we were not be able to operate in 2020. They were surprised. They were afraid about the COVID. And obviously we need to find a way to, to, to help them, to keep helping them to do not allow uh, any kind of other trip arrive because we knew that if we just leave them one year with no uh, support, Right. Obviously, commercial fishermen will arrive there. Mining activity and logging activity could arrive in Maria, in Bolivia, in Kenyan. Commercial fishing of Arapaima in in Mamirawa Reserve. So we 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 made our best to support them with with all funds we had, you know. And obviously, we asked to all people that were booked for 2020 season to help them as well, you mm -hmm. know? So uh, basically to do not ask the refunds to have this, this deposits that were made to keep them and, and send to them. So we made several, several uh, flights of help and with medicines, to food, resources, part of their benefits we put up front. So we tried our best to protect them and with a huge comprehension of all the agents and in US and Europe that work with us and all clients and friends, we succeed to, to keep these areas completely protected with wow. no other uh, treat or activity. 
And we, back in this year, in 2001, 2021, we went back and we started again with this, this project and, and made a really successful season. And it was great to see those places protected and fishing amazing when we came back to Pirarucu. Now, back in, in, in August, uh, early September 2021, it was amazing to see the place so protected and packed with Arapaima everywhere. And we are just finishing this November. By the end of November, we are finishing our season. It was a tremendous success with many anglers that came from different parts of the world. People that uh, at, at the beginning were afraid to travel, but then they were vaccinated, they came. We didn't have any kind of issue or problem in, and, and the season this year was a huge success. Man, that's awesome. That is such yeah. an incredible story. I have uh, just just a couple, of, I didn't want to interrupt you in a couple of those places, but one of the things, like the real crux of this story, the, the most difficult part was when you get on the boat with with the board in the plastic chairs, right? And so they're sitting there watching you. And I'm just wondering, like, forgive my ignorance, but I don't know what languages are spoken by these native native people. And you said you had 180 natives in, in a room and you're trying, you're communicating with them. Is there a language barrier? Is there a language barrier oh, between they, they, the... All they, they, all they speak Portuguese. Okay. And I'm, as I'm Portuguese. Brazilian, yeah, yeah, I would speak Portuguese with them. So they, 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 they completely understand. And while during the, the the fishing day in the boat, they were just, I remember they were just sitting on those plastic chairs. They eventually they grabbed my 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 fishing bag. They they have flies in their hands, laughing the size of the hook. So how they are dressed with feathers, and say, do you think that Arapaima will bite this bunch of feathers, tie it in a hook? And then the other man said, no, 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 I don't think so. Why are they aren't trying the live bait? Why are they aren't trying other stuff that they can hook a fish? So they are really, they are really something new for that. For Imagine sure. that they never saw that before. Yeah. No, it's, it's like, ma- it's almost like magic. Like all of a sudden, yeah. how is this? I, I don't see that there's going to be any possibility of doing this when, when the biggest, strongest guy in the, in the village can barely do it. And here's yeah. this guy. with yeah. this. And, and when, when they saw the first, fish jump that got the fly in, in the mouth and, and jump off. They said, wow, that fish took the fly. And I just said, guys, these flies resemble the bait fish that they eat. They are, they are predators. They, they, they eat bait fish, you know, better than me. They are ambush fish. They wait for their, their food passing in front of their mouths. So what we should do is cast the fly, let it sink a little bit, slow strip, Trying to to make something close what it is the 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 bait trying to escape and they this fish just will think that it's a real bait and they will hit it. Hmm. They were concerned that the fish will swallow the the hook and will die. Yeah, that was one of the their concerns in the project at the beginnings. But uh, it's amazing how the Arapaima uh, attack bait fish. Uh, they they are not running long distance chasing bait fish because they're a normal fish. They're ambush fish. They stay in the place swimming or stop it in close to, to some kind of structure or uh, grass or whatever. And 
when the bait fish just pass in front of their of their mouths, they go to the bait fish in a very, very fast movement. They can they can they can swallow one gallon of sure. water yeah. in less than a second For and sure. they swallow like that. And when you're when you're fishing with a fly, you were stripping and you don't feel like you have a massive heat of a monster fish. You just feel a thud because that heat on the fly is so fast that you just feel a stop, like you were hitting a log or something yeah, like that. Right. You know, you don't feel a strike that a fish take the fly and run. It's just a, it's just a thud, stop. And then in any case, you hook it. And to hook this fish is not easy because right. that movement can be really fast and you need to be really fast as well. Otherwise, you miss at that moment, and what you get, what you, what you get back is it's a ball of, of first around your hook because this yeah. fish do like this and release it. You know, I explained it, and this fish won't, won't swallow the fly. They take it and they feel that it's not a that is not a, a, a real bait, and they and they throw back. So we never had a, any any issue with fish swallowing the fly and dying things like that. But as as a as a, a very a very sportive fish that jumps a lot. They are very strong, and their mouths are are pure bones. It's it's pretty much like tarpon. Yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah. You know. Yeah, very similar. So, the tarpon the tarpon can can suck in you know a lot of water like that. And I would say far more than a gallon, and I think the arapaima can probably do more than a gallon. Like all of a sudden, like, you know, you got a mouth like this, and yeah. you're sucking in a tremendous amount of water. Um, there, there are several fish that that feed like that: the snook, the largemouth bass, the tarpon, uh, all all fish that we're we're all familiar with and fish over here. So yeah. the arapaima is a natural target. Like, okay, it's in fresh water. It's similar to this fish. It's similar to this fish. It does kind of the same things. So that I think that's one of the big draws is that while it's in this far off location, it's it still has enough familiarity that we can apply our angling tactics that we use for tarpon or snook or, or anything else. And the same type of flies and the same type of tackle. And, and we can go down there and have a reasonable chance of, of catching one. That's, that's the draw. I've always wanted to catch an arapaima. I mean, probably for about 20 years now, because there just happens to be one, maybe even more than that, but there happens to be an arapaima in the Tennessee aquarium, which I've been to a number of times. And it's a really large one. And I saw that fit and it's laying there exactly like our tarpon lay. And yes. it would occasionally move around, but then it would go back and it would just lay there. And sometimes it would lay on, lay near the surface, but a lot of times it was just laying there. And then you, I would just watch that fish and look at it. And so for a long time, the arapaima has been on my bucket list of a personal fish that, that I really want to catch. And, uh, that's why I, I want mm -hmm. to, I really, mm -hmm. really, really want to. And these days there's not that many fish that makes me, make me want to travel the world. Um, but that is one for sure. Yeah. That is, yeah. that is definitely one. Um, do you think that this was the most challenging, um, uh, kind of pioneering expedition thing that you've done in your career? I think yes, in some part yes, because uh, we have many different moments and challenges during our our career and with the company. But I think uh, the fact that guys were 
ready to run the commercial fishing. They were waiting so long for that license because as this is the main core, the, the, the core of the, of the reserve, that's always forbidden to do any kind of commercial fishing. And, and, they, and they were waiting the license and fighting with the government and struggling to get their license for 10 or 15 years. And at the same moment, they, they, they received the approval of doing the commercial fishing. I went there, you know. <laughs> You, I you just went well, there. You, and, you were and lucky. Proposed something completely, completely different. You know, yeah. I, I think it was, it was the right moment, the right place, the right timing, but also a lot of luck uh, to have this single fish that I hooked it and the other that I jumped it. But also our background model, our our vision and our studies that we made uh with the help of some some important people in the in the Amazon state that believed that it was a possibility uh and then we we established the 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 very first uh catch and release fly fishing in the Brazilian Amazon for Arapaima and now several other communities that works with us some kind of commercial fishing or they're not they're inviting us to to visit their their areas their places and scout the place to see if we can expand to to other to other places uh, I think the Arapaima it is probably uh, the biggest challenge for any angler in the Amazon because of the size the way we fish they are hard to hook they are monster fish. But also uh, the environment they live uh, is not is not as easy as other places, you know. So there's a lot of techniques involved on that, and you must find uh, the perfect conditions to catch them on the fly. Like having uh, a really good population of fish, protected clarity of water that not all uh, reserves of Arapaima have uh, clear water. I have some reserves that have some kind of muddy water, then it's difficult to catch them on the fly. But yes, that that there are other places that it's possible to do that. And and I think it, it's one of the most exciting jungle fish species we have in the Amazon. Man, that's awesome. Well, that's an yeah. incredible story, man. It it really is. And and uh kudos to you. Congratulations for for opening Thank that you. up and creating Thank a sustainable you. thing that that so many people can enjoy. Um, I certainly want to. I'll I'll book a whole week. I'd love it. <laughs> the the all of them. How many how many anglers can you put in there? Twelve anglers? Eight anglers. Eight. Nowadays we we run with up to eight anglers per week. And the season runs from early September to the last week of November. Okay. December 1st, it's they close the season because of the Arapaima spawning season. So, and then the water starts to get higher. So the best moment, and it's when the water is really low, that's between September and the end of November. Okay. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, well, man, how would someone do that trip? How did, how well, do you... the you do it. The logistics are not are not difficult at all. I think uh, among all of our jungle lodges and destinations, Pirarucu is the easiest one to reach. Uh, all, all of our other operations depends on on long charter flights from the nearest town. In the case of Bolivia, Santa Cruz. In the case of Brazil, Manaus. 
but um, the Arapaima Reserve, the Mamirawa Reserve, is close to Tefe. That is, uh, there's a small town in the in the middle of the Amazon with a commercial airport, a small commercial airport that have uh, almost daily flights from Manaus with a jet service, 45 minutes. So traveling to Manaus uh, before the pandemics, we had daily flights from Miami nonstop, four hour and a half from Miami, we're in Manaus. So it's wow. super easy. It's shorter flight Miami Manaus than I don't know Miami San Francisco or LA. Yeah, and you were in Manaus. It's a nice town. Uh, it's good to be there for a couple of days, and we have all the logistics there, good hotels. And then on the next day, we take this commercial flight, 45 minutes. We are in Tefe, and then from Tefe, our guides take the boat. It's a it's a boat ride about. 45 minutes, one hour to the lodge. So it's easy to reach. With these commercial flights, you can custom the packages. You can do six days, four days, five days. We do some combos with people that are going to catch big bass in the Rio Maria and wants to extend the sea, the, the week and make some extra days for Arapaima. So uh, being, being logistically easier to operate uh, also helps to have more people in there. And also, it is a great place for known anglers, as this lodge was built for ecotourists and is still doing ecotourists. There are daily non-angling activities uh, for non-anglers with the biologist guides that have some jungle tracks that are beautiful uh, spots to, to see jaguars there. There's a good population wow. of jaguars there. Uh, the bird life is amazing. Bird watching, photo safaris, experience the communities there, their way of living. So it's a really nice place to to enjoy also who uh, the family and the ones that do not uh, wants to spend a whole week fishing. So it's it's a really good place to to experience the Amazon and and, and people don't don't imagine how prolific it is this area as all this flooded jungle. Uh, drops the water in July, August, September, uh, the bait fish starts to enter and following the bait fish, all kinds of, of life comes. All the fish, tambaki, arowana, the arapaima, birds, you have some caiman. So water drops and this pulse of life comes to the reserve and it's and it's amazing. The bird life there, it's, it's simply amazing. So it is, it is one of the most exciting places in Amazon to be. Wow. Well, I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. Got to make that happen. So what about untamed angling? How would you, how, how does somebody get in touch with you? How do they learn more about these trips? How do they, I don't know. What do you have? Where do they go? A website? Yeah, we have the website at it's untamedangling.com. We have our social media channels also in Facebook and Instagram. We have also Piraruku Fly Fish uh, webpage that is a specific webpage about this project in this lodge. That's piratukuflyfish.com. Same for, for the social media channels. We have all the people that helps to book the trip and have a, our sales department. And also we work with, with partnership with the major uh, fishing uh, booking agents in the U.S. So it's it's easy. Most of them, they they know the place, they visit the place, they, they know all the logistics and, and, can, and can provide also the good assistance to book the trip with us. Nice. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, and telling us this story. And really, serious congratulations. That seems like almost a, an insurmountable 
uh, goal and, and you did it. Yeah. So it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tony. It was a pleasure to, to share this story and, 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 and part of our, of our story and in the same language, it's related to this, this nice, nice partnership with the natives. And that was a really special moment for us. And this project, the Piraruku project, is helping them to have better quality of life, protect the huge portion of the jungle that's more than 2 million hectares. And obviously the most uh, important uh, Arapaima fishery on earth, with no doubt. So it is all because of the catching with these fly fishing that it's that's happening so we are we are glad that to run this and i hope to see everybody and, and anybody that wants to come and experience that with me and with with our guides there will be a pleasure and you too tom right on thank you all right thank you for- that's awesome thank you for that and uh and we will talk to you soon all right thanks that's it for today